Revelation 9 has to be one of the scariest chapters in all the Bible. Scorpions and things like locusts that sting people and they can't find death. Oh man, it is a dark chapter, an intriguing chapter. It looks like a dark Hollywood movie, even like a horror film. And it's the fifth and sixth trumpets of Revelation 9. And it's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, we do know that the 144,000 were sealed and they were from each of the tribes of what? Israel. We do know that when the Exodus plagues took place, God made a distinction between Israel in the land of Goshen and Egypt as a nation. The plagues would come upon Egypt but would not touch the people of Israel. In much the same way, if the 144,000 remain on the earth and are sealed, they are sealed for ownership and protection. They make it through, if you will, the day of the Lord, supernaturally protected while the rest of the world has to deal with these plagues. They are told what they can and cannot do. They are told that they are not to hurt the grass, which locusts, normal locusts would do. They would eat up everything. Nor any grain thing, nor any tree, which locusts would normally do. But only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, the people who don't have the seal of God are non-Christians. They have, they're going to end up with another seal. They're going to take the mark of the beast, which we'll see later in the book of Revelation. And they're going to, unfortunately, face the day of judgment or the day of wrath. They, these creatures that come out of the abyss, verse 5, were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. Now notice, they are not permitted to kill, but to torment Very frightening, right? And when they sting an individual, they sting them with the torment of a scorpion. Now, I'll say this to you. We have uh, in the Christian Orthodox camp, those who hold a preterist position. In preterism, which means past, they hold that much of what we see in Revelation has already occurred, and it occurred at the fall of Jerusalem. Let me just give you a few of what the things of what they say. One is they say Josephus, who was a historian of the time, says that when the Romans were getting ready, uh, and they did this with several sieges to invade Jerusalem in A.D. 70, the people that were in the city kind of went nuts. It seemed like they were almost demonically influenced is what the inference is. I'll let you think about that. And that the final siege from, I think it was April to September, was for a period of five months. So some of our preterist friends believe that what's being described here is actually the fall of Jerusalem. I've given you a few things just off the top of my head to consider. One is, that means Revelation had to be written before AD 70, and I'm not sure you can convince most scholars that that's the case, that it was written before AD 72, The book of Revelation was written to seven original churches that were in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. I don't know why this letter, if it's about the fall of Jerusalem, was not sent to the church in Jerusalem. Would you agree? 
If it's all about the fall of Jerusalem, then I don't know why it's sent to the seven historic churches in Asia Minor. I know it's for the wider audience, but I would say, wouldn't the first church on the list be Jerusalem to get out of town, get out of Dodge before this stuff starts happening? And then third, I would argue that it's hard to fit what's happening here into a whole lot of symbolism or symbolic language because sometimes they want to take five months literally and then other times they don't want to take 144,000 literally or a thousand years literally. So they seem to be able to pick and choose what they want to say is literal and not literal. And it leaves a lot to the interpreter. I will tell you this though. The book of Revelation is certainly not an easy book to interpret. And we do have to acknowledge that there is what we call apocalyptic language. But in those days when this occurs, and I think we would argue, uh, those of us who are in this room, I'm going to argue that this is a future happening. Whatever all of this really looks like, in those days men will seek death, verse 6, and will not find it. They will long, the word long there is they will lust, literally, long for death, and death will flee from them, verse 6. Isn't it interesting, the thing that man fears the most, the thing that he lives under constant fear and bondage over, now he seeks and cannot find. In the ultimate irony, now when man wants to die, he cannot die. Now, some people who look at this and have read multiple commentaries on the book of Revelation have heard some frightening images like, does this mean that you could shoot yourself in the head and still be alive? Well, how exactly would that work if you blew your brains out? Sorry to be a little bit uh, graphic, but here's the deal. Would you still be walking around alive? Is, is this more that someone would feel a sense of wanting to die, but couldn't bring themselves to it or so forth? I don't know. But if we take this just in the language in which it states, it means that death goes on holiday, People will want to die and not be able to, do, able to. And you know, there are a lot of people who believe that if they commit suicide, they will escape all their problems. But I have news for you. If you commit suicide as a non-Christian, the worst is yet to come. And I'm sorry, but that's just the facts. Because the Bible does not teach that after you breathe your last here, your life is over the Bible says it's appointed to man to die once. And after this, after you die once, comes the judgment. That's Hebrews 9.27. So it does people no good to paint rosy pictures of non-realities that are not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you must be right with God. I'm not making a commentary on, uh, on suicide in terms of, you know, what that determines when someone dies, Christian, non-Christian. That's not where I'm going tonight. I don't believe it's an unforgivable sin, but that's another conversation. I'm talking about an unbeliever. But imagine a person who would want to die, whatever they would attempt to do, and cannot die. And I don't know how you could say that this is in any way symbolic. Now, the appearance of the locust, verse 7, was like, you'll see the word like many times in these uh, verses, was like, so there's a simile here. It was like horses prepared for battle. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a locust that looks like a horse, but that's kind of why our writer started us off with the Nazgul, these weird creatures from J.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, because these are like no locusts we've ever seen. 
They're like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, as it were, were crowns like gold. I don't know if that means they were tinfoil. I'm not sure. Their faces were like the faces of men. This is what they looked like. But John's doing the best that he can to describe what they look like. Joel 1.6 says, For a nation has invaded my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are like the teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. Joel 1.6. They, the locusts, had hair like the hair of women. Their teeth were like the teeth of lions. What in the world is going on with this particular locust? I mean, come on, man. So I thought of another movie. Terry, if you can help me out from the back. Here's the closest that I can get to give you an image of what this description is like. This is Indiana Jones, the original movie. And if you go to the next slide, this is what happens to these. Uh, what they, they look like beautiful creatures when they first come out of the ark. If you remember, you guys, if you haven't seen this movie, this is must-see movie. Uh, this is, this is a, a wonderful movie. Um, not all theologically correct, but do you remember when they opened the ark, uh, these angel-like creatures come out, and the one guy says, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, and then all of a sudden, the music starts, and they get ugly quick, and people's faces start melting, and people's heads start exploding, and I'm not kidding, it's fantastic movie-making and Indiana Jones says to his girlfriend, close your eyes. Don't look at it. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, anyway, there you go. They survive. The Nazis are no more. So there you go. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it later on. Now, they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron, verse 9. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots of many horses rushing to battle. Now, how literal are we to take this language? Some people say, well, maybe this describes an invading army, an apocalyptic imagery. And our preterist friends would say, it's the Roman army. And while I can't, uh, they would say, I can't argue for every single uh, piece of this, I think it's just apocalyptic imagery at the fall of Jerusalem. That's what they say. But others who look at the uh, imagery for what it is, look at where they come out of. They come out of where? The bottomless pit. Look at the description of them. I think that many who hold a futurist view would say that these are demons. There's some sort of demonic spirit that is let loose during the day of the Lord. And notice what it goes on to say. They have tails like scorpions, verse 10, and stings. And in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon or Abaddon. And in Greek, he has the name Apollyon or Apollyon. Apollyon. Um, you'll notice in uh, Proverbs 30, verse 27, the Bible says that locusts have no king. Proverbs 30, verse 27, yet they march in ranks. Here, these weird creatures have a king over them. Who is their king? Note it. He is the what? The angel of the abyss. Their king is an angel. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth weekend program. 
Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The Bible says that locusts have no king. Proverbs 30, verse 27, yet they march in ranks. Here, these weird creatures have a king over them. Who is their king? Note it. He is the what? The angel of the abyss. Their king is an angel. The locusts are not literal locusts, nor do they seem to be the Roman army or any other human army for that matter, their king is an angel. And he's the angel of the abyss, and he's come out to lead them, if you will, bent on destruction. 1 Peter 5.8 says the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to what? To devour. And maybe during this stage of the day of the Lord, he gets his ultimate wish. So his name in both Hebrew, Abaddon and the Greek form there of Apollyon or Apollyon, both mean destroyer. His name is the destroyer. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. That's what he does. He's a destroyer. And so he leads this weird, frightful legion of what appears to be demons. And they are bent on destruction. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. Man, right here. Just everybody take a deep breath. Okay, that was, that was just one of the woes. <laughs> the first woe is past. Now the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Some believe this is actually the voice of God. One saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So now these angels who are bound, there are four of them. They're bound at the river Euphrates are going to be loosed. They're going to be released. Um, There is a verse later on in the book of Revelation that talks about the drying up of the Euphrates. We'll get there in a second. But as that did happen in history, uh, the drying up of the Euphrates, I believe, if I recollect correctly, it was the Persian army that did that as they descended upon Babylon to destroy Babylon. That was a, a tactic. So, but here, are they, these four angels are there. They've been prepared, verse 15, for the hour, the day, the month, and the year. Notice the meticulous sovereignty of God. It's the hour, the day, the month, and the year. Precise timing. They were released so that they might kill a third of mankind. Now, we haven't seen death come in this trumpet, the fifth trumpet, but now we're going to see man die. Man has experienced torment. He's experienced, can you imagine just the physical and psychological torment of having to deal 
with this kind of situation, whatever all the final details of it are, it had to have to be a frightening time. Now these four angels get released, and now they are on a killing spree. The number of the armies of the horsemen that are going to come forth from this release was 200 million. If this is a literal number, it cannot be the Roman army, by the way. The Roman army did not field 200 million and was not able to bring those kind of numbers. John says, I heard the number of them. In our own history, though, Mao Zedong uh, did say that there was a Chinese army, an army from China, he boasted that could be 200 million. And this is where Hal Lindsey and other famous prophecy writers of the past said they believed the kings of the earth were China, that they could field an army of 200 million, and this is what it was talking about. But east is not typically east of the U.S. It's east of what? Of Israel. Israel is the center point when you look at these kinds of prophecies. So if you look, think of countries to the east of Israel, you're thinking about the, probably the right countries, which would be Persia or Iran. Uh, you would have Babylon or modern-day Iraq. You would have areas like that. If you keep going up to the north, then you're getting into the area of Russia. And so I heard the number of them, 200 million. I ask you, is that a literal number? Is it symbolic? If it is symbolic, what does it mean exactly? It doesn't mean a whole lot of a whole lot of a whole lot? <laughs> or is it 200 million? Again, this is where all the debates come from. Skip over to Revelation 16, verse 12. We have to move quickly because we're going to quickly run out of time. Revelation 16, 12 says these words. The sixth angel poured out, 16, 12, out his bowl. The bowls and the trumpets will match each other. Upon the great river, the Euphrates. Its water was dried up that the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. And we'll, when we get there, we'll talk about what they do to impact the world, but we'll go back to Revelation 9 to finish up. So here's what we have. We have this release now of more that's going to trouble mankind and kill mankind. This is how I saw 917 in the vision, the horses and those who sat upon them. The riders had breastplates, the color of fire and of hyacinth could be deep blue or reddish black and of brimstone. The heads of the horses are like the heads of lions and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. Now, if you've read books that have been written by prophecy writers who are futurists, some of them have argued that the locusts are helicopters, that the other descriptions of the horses are like tanks, and I would say no tanks. Anyway, never mind. Uh, apparently, that wasn't very good, but uh, yeah. Anyway, tanks or no tanks. When I was in India, uh, they didn't say H's, so it was tank. Thank you, Lord. But anyway, and so there are people who say, oh, well, John wouldn't have known what a helicopter was like. So a dragonfly kind of looks like a helicopter. Maybe a, a locust does too. And maybe these creatures that John is trying to describe with fire and brimstone coming out of tails and mouths and stuff is modern equipment in some sort of battle happening between armies of mankind. Well, Whatever this is, and I'm going to argue that this is much like the locust, it seems to be demonic in nature. A third of mankind, verse 18, was killed by these three plagues, by the fire, 
the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths. Would you note it? A third of mankind. Now, how many people are on the planet right now? Seven billion? Probably close to seven billion. So if the rapture has occurred, let's just take modern numbers. How many people get raptured? 144,000. No, just kidding. Just kidding. So let's say, uh, would you say a third of the world's Christians, we hope? Okay, so let's just say for the sake of argument, two billion Christians go at the rapture. So let's just say that there's four billion people left. A third of four billion is over a billion people. Can you imagine... You know, we we hear of a natural disaster, we hear of a war, we hear of the Mexico earthquake, and when we hear hundreds of people died, when we when we know that 9/11 killed over 3,000 people, that's that's a tragedy. Any death is a tragedy. Can you imagine trying to do funerals for over a billion people? Can you imagine what the burials would look like? Can you imagine people reeling and trying to deal with the fallout? I mean, this is staggering. The death toll would be absolutely staggering. There'd be nothing ever seen like this. Indeed, this is a heavy thought to think about, but also think of the reverse. God rescued his people before this wrath came because Jesus took our wrath at the cross. We have a beautiful Savior and an awesome God who took radical measures to save you, my friend. Make sure that you know Jesus today. He does save us from the wrath to come. And our God is a consuming fire. He's an awesome God. And he extended his hand down. He reached down to save us. And I pray that you know him today. And if you do know him, that you're busy about his business. Hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance and friend. I'd like to remind you that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to create this program and put it on radio wherever you're listening, whether it's by radio or podcast because of supporting believers like you. You know, the Lord can use small donations to do big things. I'm wondering if you'd commit to giving $5 a month to contribute to us being on the air. You know, $5 a month, only $5 a month. Imagine that. It's maybe not buying one cup of coffee or a bean and cheese burrito or something like that. But it's making an an eternal investment. As that happens, we're able to go on to more radio stations, exploit more open doors. You know, we'd love to see this ministry expand all over the country and all over the world. Would you partner with us? Would you keep us in prayer? Keep walking truth in prayer. And if you believe in what we're doing, you you can resonate with the Bible teaching happening here. You like the approach to the scriptures. Uh, we really could use partners. We're a fairly new ministry. We're expanding our wings, so to speak. We're praying because we know God is a big God, but we also know that he uses people just like you to give. He uses his church. He uses the body. Consider a gift today, only $5 a month. When you go to walkintruth.com, just click on donate, and you can begin partnering with us to help us reach out to more people like you. Also remember that probably about Mm, close to a third of people listening to Christian radio are not Christians or they're unchurched. So you're also using the mission field of radio and your investment's going to reach out with the good news of the gospel to those who don't know him or cannot go to church or may be unchurched. Well, consider becoming a monthly partner today. And remember, you can do all of this at walkintruth.com. 
That's walkintruth.com. We deeply appreciate it. We want to say thank you ahead of time to those of you who will donate. Thank you so much for your help. Now, remember, friend, you're always invited to come to church at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. This morning, I am going to be teaching in the incredible section of 1 Corinthians 13, When the Perfect Comes, as we look at the wrapping up of things, we look at the eternal state, we wrestle a little bit with the end of 1 Corinthians 13, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. We'd love to invite you and your family to come on out. Service is today at 9 and 11.15 a.m. So you may be driving around. Maybe you're not in church. Maybe you've been unplugged for a while. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Hey, now's the time. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, come on out. 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona. That's 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. And get all the information when you download the Living Truth app in your app store today. Hey, if you do come out, and I'd love that you would, make sure that you come up and talk to me after service. Let me know that you heard us on the radio. I'd love to meet you and even buy you a cup of coffee and a donut, even though they're free, but I'll at least lead you out there to the maple bars. Anyway, we'd love to have you. So come on out. I'd love to meet you today. Now make sure you tune in on Monday as we conclude the teaching about the fifth and sixth trumpets, and then we'll get into Revelation 10, which I call bittersweet. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you. We'll catch you next time here. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.